BPI presents Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International, Tuesday evenings at 10 p.m. Eastern on ACB Media One, and shortly thereafter on all your favorite podcast catchers. Greetings, Pride Connection listeners. This is President of Blind LGBT Pride International, Aaliyah Gardner. You will be hearing a lot of voices on today's program. You'll be hearing from iconic figures in the disability rights movement, civil rights movement, and the GLBTQ plus movement. One thing that you will find is that so much of what they say pertains to all of us as humans, no matter what the issue is that they may be speaking about in the clips that we will be presenting. You will also hear from many members of BPI and they will be sharing their emotions and their feelings about the current situation that we find ourselves in with our parent organization, the American Council of the Blind. If you would like to hear me speak on this particular conflict, as well as ACB President Deb Cook-Lewis, please download Jonathan Mosen's podcast, Living Blind Fully. The podcast will be available on February 28th for download. I think if you have any questions about the current situation, I think all of the Dynamics and timeline will be explained to you during that episode. Today, I just want to concentrate on reminding every one of you that there is one common denominator between all of us. We are all human, and most of us listening are visually impaired. All of the issues that affect the LGBTQ plus community ultimately affect all of us. And it's important that moving forward, we all engage with one another in a civil manner, even though we may disagree on certain points. What I have found over the past month is that squabbling among ourselves, arguing, name-calling, anger, and vitriol written in emails absolutely does nothing to move us forward and promote progress. It moves us backwards, and it is an unfortunate sign of the culture that we live in today, which is full of blame, anger, politics meant to drive wedges, in between various people and minority groups. It's time that we all try very hard to put our differences in our pockets and leave them at the door and really talk to each other in a manner where we can find some common ground. Because if not, fracturing is imminent and we will all be hurt and there will be many irreparable breakages as a result. So as you listen to this program, please, I urge you to give your full heart and your mind to everything that is being said. 
I wish you all peace and I wish for all of us rest and progress and free conversation meant to bridge gaps moving forward. Thank you. I hope that you enjoy the program. I'm Anthony Corona, the current vice president of Blind LGBT Pride International. And I hope the journey I'm going to go on for the next few minutes makes sense by the time I'm done. But I'm going to go back to when I first came out. My favorite aunt, almost a second mother, asked me, why do you have to be gay? And I honestly couldn't think of any other answer except because I am gay. And over the years, I've heard various formations of that question. Some of them with genuine curiosity and interest, but mostly as a form of belittling. Why do you have to be gay or why do you have to be so gay? I'm going to fast forward and talk about losing my sight about eight years ago when I found Blind Pride and subsequently the American Council of the Blind. I needed support. I needed knowledge. I needed understanding. I needed fellowship. I needed people who understood and were going through the same things because this all happened to me in a space of three days and I had no idea how I was gonna live another 40 or 50 years without sight. And the organization that was a safe space, a learning space, quickly became a place that I wanted to advocate with and advocate for. I took on roles and responsibilities and tried to really make a difference in both identifiers of my world, blind and being gay. And it was great to have the marriage of BPI and ACB to understand that we all exist in spaces that are intersectional and overlap. I'm not an immigrant, I'm not a woman, but I could hear perspectives from those that are I'm not Asian Pacific Islander or African American, but I could attend programming and listening sessions and conversations and hear and experience through words and the vulnerable sharing that comes along with some of those programs. And it only strengthened who I am as a person and who I am as an advocator. But unfortunately, it doesn't seem like that's the case in a large portion of the parent organization, the American Council of the Blind. We, Blind Pride, for the five years that I've been involved in helping grow and run programs and things, we've been sharing our vulnerability, marching alongside in advocacy and wanting for a better world for all people who are blind and or low vision. And of course, LGBTQIA+, and any other marginalized communities. We should be outreaching to those who are so very underserved, but we spend more time bickering and arguing about what is a blindness initiative and who really belongs in the organization. We did our own virtual convention during the pandemic so that people could experience our affiliate and the things that we do and talk about And we got a lot of pushback from it. We started this podcast that you're listening to right now. And over the four years that we've been doing it, we've been getting various forms of pushback. And even in a meeting with leaders from our parent organization, we were asked, 
Why do you have to be so gay? Why do you have to lead with being gay? Why can't you just be people who, oh, happen to be gay? Well, the answer to that is not any different than it was when I was 17 and scared out of my mind. And I answered my favorite aunt, because I am gay. Because we are gay. Because we live this intersectionality. And so when our parent organization, after months of agreement and working towards a human rights rally to celebrate the good work that the city of Jacksonville is doing in the area of human rights, to celebrate human rights themselves and to demand better for marginalized communities and better for books that are being banned and better for bodily autonomy and women who cannot make their own choices in certain matters in certain places. A speaking demonstration that was going to be safe and peaceful and full of understanding and full of solidarity, standing with each other, for each other, all marginalized groups. When our the leaders of our parent organization decided to pull their endorsement and pull their support, it wasn't just a slap in the face after all the good work and the open communication we from Blind Pride were providing without the reciprocal. We were blindsided by the decision. And so, no, it wasn't just a slap in the face. It was a kick in a, the gut. And it was yet another time of them asking, demanding, shouting at us, why do you have to be so gay? And it hurts. And the conversations that sparked within the organization afterwards, they hurt. There were so many great supporters and I thank and love all of our allies all of the people who are looking for commonality, common grounds, even when they didn't necessarily agree with the lifestyle or the choices of Blind Pride members. But there were so many more that were ugly and mean about it. And underlying all of those microaggressions and hostile comments was that finger-pointing, gut-wrenching, why do you have to be so gay? Well, the thing is, we are gay. We don't have to be gay. We are gay. We don't choose to be gay. We are gay. And part of standing up for human rights is standing up for LGBTQIA rights. Being so gay. Part of human rights is standing up for all of our marginalized brothers, sisters, non-binary siblings, and anyone who feels oppressed and celebrating coming together to advocate together and to support each other. That's so vital. And so when someone asks, why are you so upset? Or don't let this bother you. You'll have another opportunity. Yeah, I'll have plenty of other opportunities. But this was the one. This was the time and the way it was done was ugly and so I think I've already answered that question why do I have to be so gay if not me if not my brothers sisters and non-binary siblings of BPI then who Angelica Ross 
Our voices need to be included on goals, on strategy, and on tactics. Really? On everything, on every aspect. <laughs> Nothing about us without us, period. Because human rights aren't just gay rights. Human rights are the rights of those at Standing Rock. Human rights are is standing in solidarity with Black Lives Matter, with trans people, with undocumented folks in this country, with our Muslim neighbors. Human rights requires a dedication of equality at every intersection of life. Hi friends, Tristan Snyder here. I heard someone say recently that human rights mean different things to different people, that it's complicated. I couldn't disagree more. Human rights are universal. Equal treatment under the law for everyone. The unalienable rights mentioned in the preamble of our constitution of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Maybe a certain group of people makes you uncomfortable. Maybe you're scared of them. Maybe you've been told by certain authority figures that they are taking away your way of life or encroaching on your territory or violating some religious precept. Did you ever stop to consider that those authority figures have a vested interest in keeping you angry and making you scared? When you're angry and scared, the adrenaline is high and you're not thinking. You're not using your mind to your best advantage. You don't even realize that the people you were told to vilify weren't harming you in any way. They weren't forcing you to do anything. They're not stealing anything from you. They just want to exist and be treated equally. The authority figures that tell you all these things, on the other hand, are stealing from you. They're stealing your compassion. They're stealing your empathy. They're stealing your reason and rationality. And in some cases, they're taking your money History has shown that the people who ban books are never the good guys. People who target others because of their ethnicity, their gender, their religion, their sexual orientation are never the good guys. People who want to abandon democracy for authoritarianism are never the good guys. Not ever. They are inevitably con men who are running a long con and hoping nobody sees through their scam before they run away with all the money or all the land, or all your grandma's silverware, or whatever it is they're trying to take from you in the guise of protecting you from those people. People like to toss around the word woke these days as though it is some kind of insult. Well, as a friend and ally recently said, I'd rather be woke than asleep. So it's time to wake up. Realize just who it is who is telling you that those people don't deserve the same rights as you. It's time to re-engage your empathy. Regardless of who has told you it's a weakness, I promise you, it is a strength. It is time to stand in solidarity with those who have been oppressed, discriminated against, bullied, persecuted, or made a scapegoat for somebody else's con. Because, and here's the kicker, when they run out of others to alienate, their attention will eventually turn to you. It's not complicated. It's very simple. Human rights apply to everyone, or they mean nothing. Solidarity forever.
Bayard Rustin. There are three ways to deal with injustice. One is to accept it slavishly, or one can resist it with arms, or one can use nonviolence. The significance of nonviolence is that finally, one depends upon his body and his spirit. He puts that into breach when everything else fails. Secondly, because the man who believes in nonviolence is prepared to be harmed, to be crushed, but he will never crush others. This is what the Southern Leaders Conference mean when they say, in our struggle, not one hair of one head of one white person is to be harmed. You know, every so often I get these wake-up calls letting me know we've still got a lot of work to do for acceptance. You know, I'm kind of in a bubble between BPI and my friends and stuff, and I don't really interact with people who won't accept me for who I am. So all the stuff that's been happening with ACB and convention and stuff has been one of those wake-up calls. You're reminding me that I need to stay visible. I need to, you know, as long as there's even just a small minority of people, you know, we're still going to have to be advocates and fight to keep the progress we've made so far. That's how I've been affected. I know I joined this in the autumn of last year. I think maybe sometime in September or October. And I was just pleased right away. I, I felt welcomed. I mean, I, I wrote my introductory email and there were so many warm and welcoming responses. It really made me feel good. I've been happy that I joined from from day one. And um, just as I've listened to the, the WhatsApp chat and read emails in the discussion list, um, it's just, I'm impressed with the board members of BPI with the members and the conversations. I'm just pleased. I really am just pleased to be a member of this group. Proud, to be honest with you. Well, I saw the thing that about the ACB meeting and what's been going on with BPI ever since then. And I had listened to all of that. I was there for the ACB meeting in January. And, and then all of the, the discussion afterwards with BPI and, and the decisions that were made. And while I recognize the toxicity that was happening with the ACB board meeting. Ultimately, I think it's been a good thing. Attitudes and behaviors were exposed, and now members of BPI are aware of that and um, have made decisions on what to do about it, which made me happy. I think it was ultimately good for BPI. I know that our, our membership has increased, and I think there's like a, a strengthening to our or deepening of the loyalty to BPI. I certainly feel it. I'm, I just feel even more proud to be a member of BPI after all of this, or as all of this is, is really still happening. Good things come out of it anyways. Hi, my name is Margie Donovan and I reside in Folsom, California. And I've been a member of ACB since I was in high school. And I went to my first convention in 1984 in Philadelphia. I've been a member approximately 42 years. I want to talk about human rights. We have rights to housing, food, and clothing. Then there are rights 
express ourselves, whether we're an artist and want to express through art, whether I'm a heterosexual and want to express my sexuality in a different way than another heterosexual, whether I'm blind and I want to express my rights as a woman who is blind, whatever my I want to express is my rights as long as I'm hurting no one else. I am a white heterosexual Christian woman, and it is my belief that if I think somebody is expressing themselves wrongly or committing a sin, not to judge them, it is my belief that I pray for them because God made every creature on this earth and every creature deserves the dignity of their human rights. And that includes our LGBTQ plus community. Being gay is not a choice, not a lifestyle. You're born gay. And I'm sad that ACB board of directors led by Dan and Debbie voted not to support a human rights rally. But we have power in this organization. And the power each of us have in our healing process and in the future is our vote. And maybe we need to vote in new leadership. Maybe it's time to get a more diverse leadership. And we have to heal. I think healing is what needs to take place right now. My personal goal is to continue bringing healing and continue moving forward and continue educating about the LGBTQ plus community. People don't have to like us, but you don't get to be mean to us and you don't get to jeopardize our safety and our well-being. We need to love each other. Love is powerful. And I know that the God that I believe in is all about love. And I ask this community to try to focus on the love and the healing process. And remember one thing, if we don't stand for human rights, we jeopardize our rights as blind people. Thank you. Harvey Milk. Read the Gospels. You know, everybody bumps the Bible. Read the Gospels. The teachings of Christ, the life of Christ, and it's never mentioned once. In fact, Christ talks about love. It's very interesting. They carry this Bible in one hand and hatred in the other hand and said it's sinful. Christ himself said nothing about it. Christ says, love thy neighbor. Okay. Do unto the neighbor as you'd want the neighbor to do unto you. Okay. And so these people who thump the Bible have never really read the Bible, the Gospels. Well, I'm and, not a Bible thumper, uh -huh. but... <laughs> to the Bible thumpers, uh -huh. to those who are out there, reread the Gospels and live the life of the Gospels. I think that the right wing has talked about it and packaged it and put it on a shelf like a box of cereal and people are buying it. Uh, we've seen four states, uh, cities, uh, throw out gay rights bills. Uh, so now 38 cities have them. Five years ago, none. I am Marco Ramos from the Philippines. I am an international student and a proud member of BPI. As a blind, gay, person of color, 
and a foreigner living in America, I've never felt the impact of my intersecting identities more than I did the past few weeks. To say that it has been an emotional roller coaster is a gross understatement. I feel so unwanted, so unsafe, so hated. People repeatedly said that the attacks made against LGBTQIA people and BPI are not personal. I understand that. I do. But there is so much hate. I can't help but feel that it is personal. It's as if people are saying, we don't want you here. We don't want your friends to be here. We don't want people like you to be here. It's as if they're saying, you are only here because you check a box. You are only here not because you deserve it, not because you are valued, but because we allow you to be here. And you should be grateful that you are here, that we choose for you to be here. It baffles me that in 2024, we are still talking about human rights and who gets to do what, who gets to live with dignity. It baffles me that in 2024, we are still talking about intersectionality considering that we are in advocacy spaces. It baffles me that in 2024, diversity, equity, and inclusion seem to have become our enemy instead of our common goal. We were mocked, insulted, called names for standing up for what we believe is right, for acknowledging individual differences, for fighting for human rights. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Maybe, on some level, it is personal because we are fighting for ourselves. We are fighting for our right to be at the table, to be heard, to be respected. I really don't know when woke became an insult. I'm sick of being called woke as an insult, when in reality, woke simply means being mindful of other people's lived experiences. If being woke means living with empathy, yes, I am woke. If being woke means embracing people for who they are, for all they are, yes, I am woke. If woke means standing up for human rights, for fairness, for justice. Yes, I am woke. Because what is the alternative? The alternative is to remain sleeping, to remain unaware, to remain unconscious that there's so much injustice going on out there. In June, BPI came out with an amazing Pride Connection episode. We repeatedly said, don't say gay won't make us go away. And no boy, we were challenged with our own words. People practically said, we hate you and we don't want you here. But guess what? We are still here. We're not going anywhere. We're not going away. We are here. We are queer. And you better deal with it. Hey everyone, Monica Wagner here. I'm here not just as a queer blind woman or a member of BPI, but as someone who's all in for freeing every last one of us who's on the margins. So, about blindness advocacy organizations. My feelings are kind of mixed, especially with everything that's been going on lately. Take the National Federation of the Blind. They don't have an LGBTQ division and are not keen on getting one. From what I've seen, their big decisions, like where to hold conventions, 
are all about the cash. Human rights? Not so much on the radar. Disappointing? Yeah. Surprising? Not really. Then there's the American Council of the Blind. Seemed like they were on board with us, with Blind Pride International and everything we stand for. That is, until it was time to actually do something. Pulling back from supporting a BPI rally, claiming it was to protect their nonprofit status, which was never even at risk, kind of shows you what their support is worth. This sort of, quote, I've got your back, quote, until things get real, it's worse than no support at all. It messes with you, makes you think you've got an ally, and then poof, when you need them most, they're gone. That's not just disappointing, it's harmful. But here's the thing, freeing blind folks is tied up with freeing everyone else who's been pushed to the edges. Our fights are all tangled up together. Take the 504 sit-in back in 1977. A big deal for disability rights. A bunch of activists took over a federal building in San Francisco demanding rights for people with disabilities. And when things got tough, the Black Panther Party stepped up, feeding the protesters every day. That wasn't just a nice thing to do. It was a powerful message that our liberations are linked. So when we hold events in places that are trying to erase parts of our community, we're forgetting all about the unity and solidarity that got us this far. Remember the Black Panther Party during the 504 sit-in? That's the kind of energy we need. But looking at where we're at now, with rising fascism and laws that try to erase us, it's clear that we've got a long way to go. Choosing to be in places that support those laws, that's not just a pointing, it's a step backward. True allyship is hard, and it's rare. It's about leaders who can see beyond just their own interest, understanding that we're all in this fight together. So let's think about what it really means to stand with each other. It's more than just words. It's about taking action, especially when it's tough, because that's when it counts the most. Judy Human. When I travel abroad, I'm always meeting with disabled women. And those women tell me stories about how they experience violence and rape, and how in many cases, these forms of violence occur from family members, people that they know, who in fact may be working for them. And frequently these cases are not adjudicated. I meet disabled people who have been offered jobs by businesses because they live in a country where there's a quota system. And in order to avoid a fine, they will hire you and then tell you, you don't need to come to work because we really don't need you in the facility. These are some of the things that the U.S. needs to be doing more to correct. We know discrimination when we see it, and we need to be fighting it together. So what is it that we can be doing together? I encourage you all to recognize that disability is a family you can join at any point in your life. Together, we can help change the world. Thank you. I have to go catch my bus.
Hey everyone, my name is Bryn Lee and I am a trans woman from Minneapolis. I'm also a member of the Blind Pride International Board. I have been hearing from a lot of friends who have been trying to help me process what's going on in Florida. And they're trying to make me feel more comfortable about coming to Jacksonville for convention this year. And they say things like, you know, it's not that bad. You're overreacting. Well, they are that bad, but you're not seeing it. Every morning I wake up and I know that either a heinous crime has been committed against a trans person or a person on the LGBTQ spectrum. A gender fluid transgender teenager is now dead in Oklahoma after being brutally beaten in a high school bathroom. Or that a piece of legislation has been passed that drastically affects the rights of those of us who are queer. Greg Abbott in Texas is officially directing Family and Protective Services to investigate all trans children in Texas and prosecute their parents as child abusers. This is not a drill or a joke. Every day I scroll through TikTok and I hear stories like this. Yesterday, Florida passed more anti-trans laws than I can count, but I will try. Transgender minors in Florida can now be taken away from their families by the state in a new law that just got passed. The state of Florida has now decided that all trans people who have incorrect or misrepresented gender markers on their driver's licenses could be guilty of fraud. Florida is attempting to ban gender-affirming care in HRT for everyone, teenagers and adults. Governor DeSantis passed a bill that would make it illegal for trans people to use the bathroom of their lived gender. But you say it's not that bad, that I'm overreacting. BPI holding a speaking demonstration in Jacksonville, Florida was the only thing that might have brought me to Florida. The only thing that might have made me feel safe. And when ACB chose to take no position on having a human rights rally, I felt abandoned. I felt like they didn't care. And that's why I'm standing up and sitting out on Jacksonville. Hello, Pride Connection. This is Ray Campbell. Many of you know me as the second vice president of the American Council of the Blind, as well as the president of both a state and special interest affiliate. However, today I want to speak from my heart. I'm truly bothered and saddened about the recent events that have happened within the American Council of the Blind and the upheaval that it has caused among many of our members many feeling a little disconnected from the organization, many feeling that the organization doesn't care about you. All I can say is that I personally care about each and every one of you. I believe that disability rights are human rights, and I further believe that none of us leave one part of who we are at the door when we're working on another part of who we are. And further, I've learned in many years of working in diversity, equity, and inclusion that the best way to have a productive worker, or in the case of ACB, member, advocate, etc., is to facilitate an environment that every person can bring their full authentic self to the work that they're doing. I truly believe that. And after all, we're not just blind people. 
we're people who are black, white, women, LGBTQ, etc. We can't undo the decisions that have been made, but I think what we can do and what I'm personally wanting to do more of is to listen better, to understand each person in this organization, what they bring, what their true authentic self looks like, and bring us all together so that we can really work for bettering the lives of all people who are blind or visually impaired, just like it says in our mission. We have a lot of things to do. We've still got a lot of states. I live in one trying to make vote by mail fully accessible for people who are blind or visually impaired. We have a number of issues as we're going to find out at our upcoming DC leadership conference that we need to go out and talk with members of Congress about. And we need to be going up to Capitol Hill as one ACB, regardless who we are, and letting Congress know that those issues are very important to us and that we who are blind or visually impaired expect them as our representatives to work for us and to work on these issues that we believe are so important. I can't undo what's been done. I'm just one person. What I can do is do everything in my power to help us begin the healing process. It's going to take a long time. It's not going to happen overnight, but we all need each other to truly be a resilient, stronger ACB that truly is the chief influencer in the blind and visually impaired community. Thank you for the opportunity, and I look forward to continuing to work with each and every one of you. Good night. My name is Margot Downey. I live in the Buffalo, New York area. I am a life member of BPI and very happily so. I also believe that we can overcome and go to a higher ground with all of this, even with the feelings and thoughts that we have. One thing that I have noticed is that the timing of some of these things that have come about from the board it's been interesting that, that the timing has been now for some of these things. And I'm not judging whether that was intentional or not. I'm just saying it was kind of strange. Yes, we do want to emphasize the blindness issues, but those issues creep into other parts of life, whether we want them to or not, they do. We need to understand that. And also, we need to stop trying to get rid of a group or groups or affiliates because maybe we don't like them. And that seems to be happening. Um, there was one suggestion that I read the other day that said to get rid of all the special interest affiliates and focus on things like employment. And of course, I had to um, write back to the person. This was not on the BPI list, it was elsewhere. 
some people are never going to understand this. Some people will. Some people are trying to understand and working at it very hard, I do say. My heart aches for Gabe and Anthony and Leah and for all of us, really. For all of us who are just trying to live a life and work with all aspects of life. And that's what we should do. We should not forget any part of us. It's all there, all connected. I have hope for this to quiet down. And But with that hope, I want to see people really try to understand. All of us try to understand. And let's be honest and transparent and work hard at it and have fun too. And that's what I have to say. And thank you for this opportunity. Stevie Wonder. You say you're sick and tired of us protesting. I say not tired enough to make a change. You say just you hold on. I say no way, because we can't put it in the hands of fate. You say all things in time. I say that's why I'm not going to put it in the hands of fate. Ain't nobody got time to wait. We can't put it in the hands of fate. When I was a teenager, here's something I heard an old man say to me. In a not-so-distant future tomorrow, Robbins will sing your lullaby. And I said, but I've seen so many of my generations live and die for that pie in the sky. Not I. In the late 1980s, Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw, a human rights lawyer and legal scholar, realized that the courts had a big problem when dealing with discrimination against black women. When the plaintiffs, or the folks being wronged, brought a case based on race discrimination, the other side, or the defendant, would argue that the discrimination was actually based on gender. When the plaintiffs would bring a case of discrimination based on gender, the courts would argue that it's only discrimination based on race. Therefore, the party being wronged never won their cases. Dr. Crenshaw argued that the courts needed to consider the additive or amplifying effect of both marginalized identities, both gender and race, and their effect in a person's day-to-day life in considering the whole of such a case. Since then, Dr. Crenshaw's ideas have changed the way that we speak about civil rights, feminism, and even queerness in an intersectional lens. When I was studying to be a teacher, we had an entire course dedicated to diversity, equity, and inclusion so that we could learn to think differently and therefore treat everyone equally and fairly in the classroom. One day, the professor spoke about intersectional identities and drew several circles on the board which intersected in the center like a Venn diagram. We were encouraged to draw our own such diagrams, walk around the classroom, and discuss with our peers how these identities affect our day-to-day life 
and make us each individually unique and define our lived experiences. Many of us have intersecting identities too that affect our lives. I am a person who was born with very low vision, considered legally blind. I'm a woman. I'm also a very small, petite woman. And I am also someone under the LGBTQIA rainbow. I've heard many blind, queer people speak about feeling isolated or othered or maybe sometimes not wanted in typical sighted queer spaces, such as pride parades or bars. I have also heard many speak about being isolated in blind spaces, such as training facilities, schools for the blind, and consumer groups, because their queerness is frowned upon. Though it is very important that we continue to educate and agitate and make good trouble in all of these spaces to continue our integration into them. It is also necessary that we have a space that honors and respects and celebrates all of our intersecting identities which make us the vibrant, special, interesting, and unique people that we are. I know a minister that says... You are not just tolerated here, you are celebrated here. It is important for all of us to have a space where we are not just tolerated, but celebrated. When we consider intersectional theory, it's also important to think about what privileges we might have as we move through the world and through society. It's not a contest to see who has the most privilege, or who is the most marginalized. However, it is simply good to be aware of the ways in which we are unique and the ways in which we can use our privilege to make good trouble to help each other. For example, although I have three, maybe even four, intersecting, quote-unquote, marginalizing identities, I also realize that I have a lot of privilege. I am able to walk and climb stairs. We have good paratransit where I live that is not as good for those friends of mine who use wheelchairs. So even though it does not necessarily affect me directly, I need to continue to advocate to improve the service that they receive so that we can make our system more equitable. Some people may call this the elephant in the room. I have white privilege and I also have middle class privilege. When I can, It's important for me to donate money to organizations doing work to heal systemic community poverty caused by racism and redlining, especially in the community where I was born. My favorite such organization to give to is called The Well. It's a healing space where people can get counseling and therapy and medical case management and other forms of care, and they do some wonderful work in our community. I think when folks are uncomfortable talking about the ways in which others are marginalized or have lived lives in different shoes and with different experiences, we have a tendency to back away and say, well, that isn't relevant to our mission. That's a distraction. We need to focus our mission on one specific issue. When truly, that line of reasoning leaves people feeling left out 
and marginalized and like they need to check a large part of who they are at the door. Do we really want folks to feel like that when they enter our spaces? I didn't think so. The saying, none of us are free until all of us are free, definitely applies here. Though it takes time and consideration, and some may consider it messy at times, social justice work, including work for blind people and folks with disabilities, needs to include as many people with as many different identities as possible. We are stronger together. I'm Jessica Tomlinson, and I thank you for listening to this message. My name is Gabriel Lopez Cafati, and I'm the immediate past president of Blind LGBT Pride International, uh, most commonly known as BPI. Along the course of my life, I've lived in different countries under different circumstances, all very unique and all very diverse. As a Hispanic immigrant, I have a dual perspective in terms of what it is to have a system that guarantees your rights, your equality, and your freedom, and to have a system that does not. And uh, I value how that has impacted my life because I am not only Hispanic, but I am blind, and I am a gay man. So for me to be able to find a place where I can be entirely who I am is just like finding a treasure. When someone tells me something about being gay or being blind or being Hispanic and you know when someone tells me that I am in a certain setting I feel like someone is telling me to wear a mask to wear my Hispanic mask uh, if I'm in a Hispanic environment and if I'm amongst family where people are not completely understanding or accepting or what I would like embracing of different sexual orientations then I have to act differently. I just want to be free and I just want to be able to go in with everything and every single part of who I am because I have so many different intersections that I feel that people could learn a little bit and and, and that would be so magical for me. It's to me the fact of being able to give someone information that they didn't have before and give them a different perspective to me that's a miracle. And that's what I want to do. I feel that that's my mission in life. To me, diversity is the fact that I bring to the table, wherever I'm sitting, a set of perspectives that may be different, but they're not right or wrong. Just like the next person sitting next to me, their perspective is not right or wrong. It's just the diversity of the perspectives that we all have based on our life experiences. And that's what makes a place, an organization, a family, a household, rich, rich in, in, in information, because information is power and information gives us the opportunity to learn 
before we make decisions, especially decisions that impact others. So I'm proud of my diversity, not because I'm a poster child or a token, but because my unique life experiences in many of the settings that I interact and many of the settings that are highly, highly important for me make that difference or bring that different perspective that brings learning that eventually is transcended from a person who learns to their children or their mentees or their nephews and nieces or their non-binary siblings and then it's just the history of humanity storytelling things go from generation to generation and i just it just amazes me to think that i could have an impact where my changing someone's perspective or my teaching something to someone can be passed on from generation to generation and can have an exponential influence for the betterment not only of this nation that i am so proud to call home but of the entire world so this is me and uh, i am everything who i am and i am nothing if i am not embraced as everything of who i am thank you for listening to me and uh, just always much love from me to all of you jenga by leah gardner here's how we play jenga start with a solid structure extract one vital block at a time see how long the tower stands watch something strong crumble i often think life is like jenga what happens when we are told we do not matter one sharp word or action at a time individual dreams fall like tumbled blocks hit the ground with a futile clatter a person stepped off a BART platform near San Francisco. People around said they just walked off the edge. Purpose in their eyes. I wonder who played Jenga with them. Who treated them like they didn't matter. Who laughed at each reason to live slipped out of reach. What combined force pushed them to break. Some people play Jenga with a community. Ron DeSantis declares a war on woke in Florida. Greg Abbott denies gender affirming care, puts it on the chopping block in Texas. Tennessee vows to drive out drag. How many years have we loved intensely amid intolerance? driven ourselves to build a life out of do-it-yourself dream kits. Now, intolerant politicians want to write our Jenga into law. How dare a few elected bullies tell us we do not matter, all the while discussing philosophy or theory, smiling while blocks lie scattered in disarray. No matter whether it is one life or that of a movement, it all matters. We all matter.
I wish that person on the BART platform knew this. I wish somebody looked them in the eye that morning, held their hand out as tears fell, warmed them with the simplicity of contact amid all the fear, rage, intolerance. We tuck a few blocks in the gaps every day. Shore up the city generations work to build. Even if a moment is heavy, we can take it. We are strong enough. It's okay to walk on dreams. Blocks of reinforcement are always an outstretched hand away. This is the message I send everybody afraid of Jenga. To individuals wandering along a slippery track, those who play Jenga with us are weak. Our dreams are brave, built on granite blocks of truth. These bullies will not topple us. Our dreams are at our fingertips. We are dauntless. Jenga is just a word. You've been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International. For more information, please visit our brand new website, bpi.gay. Thanks for listening.